The Journal presents the Good Information Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Good Information Podcast, a series where the Journal gets to grips with 15 major topics that our audience has told us are impacting their daily lives and focusing their minds on the future. I'm Susan Daly, Managing Editor of The Journal, where the Good Information Project has been giving readers the opportunity to engage directly with editors and journalists on these issues. With you, we've looked at their impact on Ireland and on our place in the wider EU. In this episode, we are asking, what is the relationship between Ireland, the EU and China? What are our trade links with this vast state? What are our concerns about a country that sees itself as one of the last superpowers? We'll answer these questions and more, but here's what we heard from you on the issue. To seek closer economic ties with China will come at the cost of absolute appeasement. It will mean accepting their annexation of and cultural destruction of Tibet. It will mean staying silent about the shocking treatment of the Uyghurs and the fact that it is a totally totalitarian state within itself. The US and EU and Western media already operate along those lines towards China. So let's wait and see how appeasement works out in this century. Ban Chinese tech and ISPs and telecoms. Voice support for Hong Kong and Uyghurs. Ban Chinese investment or companies from bidding on or providing any public infrastructure or services. Fundamentals first. China is a state where a few unelected people command life and death of the individual. That is diametrically opposed to our fundamental beliefs. Until that changes, we should have nothing to do with them, as our long-term objective is to have the same system throughout the world, including Ireland. I'd say we don't have a choice. How much property in Dublin has been bought up by Chinese buyers? It's an investor's market here, thanks to government policy to shaft Irish home seekers in favour of high prices and mass investment. So what's the wider view? Good Information Project producer Carl Kinsler is here with some stats on attitudes to the rise of China as a global superpower. China's growing role in the global economy means that Chinese companies are more present in Ireland than ever before with major corporations such as TikTok operating the European headquarters out of Dublin. Given this ascendancy, it would be expected that Ireland's trade and investment ties with China will only strengthen and deepen as time goes by. But how do Irish people feel about Ireland's relationship with China? The Good Information Project teamed up with independent polling company Ireland Thinks to gauge public opinion. Notably, more Irish people believe that China is presently a larger power than the US than the other way around, by a margin of 41% to 35%. By contrast, just 11% believe the European Union to be the most powerful of the three. A preponderance of people believe that China will be the most powerful nation on the planet in 20 years' time, with 58% of people selecting the nation of 1.4 billion as the global hegemon by 2041. Only 17% of respondents were prepared to throw their weight behind the US, while those who believed in the power of the EU remained low. Certainly the most striking finding among our poll of 1,237 people in May of last year was the near total absence of trust in the Chinese government. Just 1% of respondents selected said that they trust the Chinese Communist Party led by Xi Jinping, while 0% said that they strongly trust same. By comparison, the European Commission boasted strong trust of 13% and overall trust of 58%. 
In China's case, 36% of participants said that they distrust the Chinese government, and the largest cohort was in the strongly distrust category, which was at 48%. Responding to the question, how favorable or unfavorable do you view China? A majority of 54% said that their view was unfavorable, while only 8% expressed a favorable view. The remainder were neutral on the question, with 2% saying that they didn't know. But keywords most associated with the rise of China were worrying, dangerous, scary, and inevitable. Concerningly, a record 700 racist incidents were recorded by the Irish Network Against Racism in 2020 in Ireland, up from 530 in 2019. 16% of these incidents were against South Asians, while another 16% were against Chinese people and people from other Asian countries, though many are believed to have gone unreported. Accounting for 32% of reported racist incidents, Asian people are the second most commonly discriminated against group in Ireland, just behind the grouping of Black African, Black Irish and other Black communities who reported 33% of race-related incidents in 2020. Thanks, Carl. Now let's get down to brass tacks on this. I'm joined by the Journal's business reporter, Ian Curran, to discuss the key questions around our trade relationship with China, probably our deepest connection to the country. Welcome, Ian. Tell me this. What is behind the surge of Chinese companies into the Irish labour market? Well, I think it's probably much the same uh, when we talk about foreign direct investment in Ireland from any country. What is it that attracts people to Ireland? And the things you always hear are the skilled workforce, you know, an educated workforce, and of course, the tax breaks and uh, and the low tax environment. And I think those things are definitely um, definitely in play when we talk about Chinese foreign direct investment in Ireland. But ju- just to kind of give you a sense of it, I mean, it, there has been a, a very concerted effort by the IDA and, and by the government to sort of uh, target Chinese economies. Uh, uh, um, exporters and, and Chinese businesses to come to Ireland. And it has been quite fruitful. I mean, I think at the end of 2019, um, something like 900 Irish people were employed by a Chinese-owned company. That's actually increased substantially probably since then because of we have, we've had these big jobs announcements from the likes of TikTok and Huawei and so on. And as I say, all of this is part of a concerted strategy to target what they call, I suppose, high growth markets such as China. So w- what's attracting them? Probably the same things that's attracting everybody being on the doorstep of Europe, an English-speaking country. Um, uh, and also, obviously, the low tax environment and, and, and the workforce. Ian, when you mentioned direct investment there, of course, something that's going to spring to people's minds is, you know, the Chinese move into the property market in Ireland. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, I think we've all seen sort of headlines and, and, and questions about kind of wealthy Chinese individuals or wealthy Chinese companies investing in, in property in Ireland. It's very difficult to get a sense of the kind of numbers. Um, I did try and speak to uh, Ian Sayre, who is a uh, director of HWBC in, in Dublin, just to kind of get a sense, particularly in the commercial property market. And I think what he was saying is that, of course, you know, Ireland has been flooded with international capital. We're all well aware of that. You know, when we talk about the housing crisis and cuckoo funds and so on, you know, uh, s- since the crash, basically. Uh, and uh, it would be probably unrealistic to assume that Chinese money is not part of that. It's certainly probably part of the bigger funds. But when it comes to individual investors, he was saying you're still more likely to see bigger individual investors and in companies uh, from from America and even from places like Korea and other parts of Asia than you are from China. So it's not to say that it won't happen, but we haven't seen this direct kind of, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, notable increase in Chinese investment in in property. But what we have seen, obviously, you may have seen some headlines about this. There has been a substantial interest from Chinese investors in Irish property uh, when it comes to sort of social housing. Uh, That's because the government operates, like many governments around the world, operates an investor um, 
sorry, an immigrant investor program. Uh, basically, this allows kind of high net worth uh, individuals to uh, come to a country, invest a certain amount of money in a particular uh, list of projects, whether it's SMEs or social housing. And at the top of our list is social housing for obvious reasons. Uh, and in return, they can obtain visas to work here and stay here. And uh, I mean, Ch- Chinese uh, individuals have been... Um, have been right at the top of the list when it comes to applicants for this. Um, I think the Irish Times reported last year that uh, between 2012, when the programme was created, and 2019, uh, close to 100 and, uh, sorry, 1,090 uh, applications were from uh, from China uh, and, and were approved. Uh, the second largest number uh, from a particular country was America with just 21. So uh, it's a very appealing uh, place for, for high net worth Chinese investors. Uh, and so we have seen a lot of investment in social housing because of that. So Ian, just how deep though is Ireland's trade relationship with China as of this year in 2022? Yeah, so I suppose we spoke there just a little bit about Chinese foreign direct investment in Ireland, but actually Irish businesses export a lot to China as well. In fact, we actually have a trade surplus with China. In other words, we uh, uh, export more goods to China than we import from them. Uh, overall, uh, we we uh, have a trade surplus of about three point five billion, um, and uh, th- that's roughly stable from 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 twenty twenty. Um, obviously, we were dealing with twenty twenty figures when we first touched on this topic back uh, last year for the for the Good Information Project. But uh, the good news, I suppose, there is that uh, that trade surplus has remained stable into 2021, I suppose, despite the huge challenges as well uh, that that China has faced because of its zero COVID policy, because of kind of general global supply chain chaos over the last uh, 18 months, kind of in the wake of the pandemic. Um, And actually, uh, we uh, uh, so, yeah, I mean, so so that that has remained stable. uh, And and actually, we've we've increased our exports to China in 2021 from 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 2020, um, which is which is also interesting. And as I say, this is all part of a concerted push uh, to try and uh, promote Irish businesses in China and, and then equally to promote Ireland to Chinese businesses as well. So China becoming that increasingly lucrative market for Irish expo- uh, exporters. And um, I think Enterprise Ireland, that was uh, one of their heads was saying that it was a case of a rising tide lifting all boats. Um, but is there any particular export that is doing quite well for us? So I think at the very top of the list, and I'm pretty sure this stayed stable in 2021, but the 2020 figures showed that uh, obviously our biggest export to China was uh, in relation to machinery and transport equipment. Most of that seems to be related to agricultural machinery. Uh, that was worth about 6.8 billion um, uh, for the Irish economy in 2020. Obviously, Ireland's pharmaceutical sector, that's a big uh, uh, a big um, factor as well. Uh, you know, it's a sector that boomed throughout 2020, obviously in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, so we exported quite a lot of chemicals chemicals and, and related products, including medical and pharmaceutical goods. Um, that was about 1.7 billion. And then, of course, uh, agricultural and live animal exports were worth about 810 million in, in, in 2020, down slightly because of the, the public health restrictions during the pandemic, but but still quite quite a, a substantial portion as well. So uh, it's quite a diverse uh, uh, basket, I suppose, of exports. So the picture we're building up here in is that China is an extremely important market for Ireland. And of course, that comes with the challenges of being so tied to that, never mind the ethical considerations and so on. Uh, As a result, there was an EU-China investment deal uh, that we were looking at at some point and then it has been frozen by the European Parliament. Can you tell us a bit about that? What is going on? Is this relationship going to be rebuilt 
Well, that is, I suppose, the big question. And perhaps this time last year, I suppose, when we were dealing with uh, the, the kind of early fallout, I mean, just to give you an indication of what happened, this is called the EU uh, Comprehensive Trade Agreement with China. It was to abolish quite a number of tariffs and other uh, sort of trade barriers between the bloc, uh, which is obviously the largest trading bloc in the world, and China, which is, you know, as I said earlier, the factory of the world. Uh, it was massively lucrative for both economies. It had been kind of rattling along for a number of years. I think as far back as about 2016, uh, talks were ongoing. Uh, and then uh, in the kind of early part of last year, I think it was around March, um, the EU parliament voted to sanction a number of Chinese officials over uh, for, uh, forced labour and detention camps uh, involving obviously the Uyghur population. Uh, and China uh, retaliated, uh, slapping its own sanctions on a number of EU parliamentarians uh, as well. So this kind of tit for tat uh, response kind of put the kibosh on on the plan for the moment. And it's basically been, I, I, the only way to describe it is on ice since then. Um, I think there had been some hope maybe that in 2022, uh, we might get a kind of, we might revisit it at some point. And, and obviously, I think there was a summit there in April. But uh, with everything that's going on in Russia, and obviously with China, uh, China's relationship with Russia, there seems to be very little appetite to put it back on the table at the moment. But never say never, it's not gone away. It's not totally dead, but it may require substantial revision. And it could be some time before we get to that point. Thanks, Ian, for that update on where we stand with China. We'll give the last word to Adam Daly, who told our Open Newsroom webinar that our MEPs and Ireland's seat at the UN Security Council could well influence the global relationship with China. When it comes to Ireland's footing with China, we're planning to uh, look into, I suppose, what exactly is Ireland's, does Ireland have any influence, I suppose, in, in the affairs of China? Because at the moment, it's um, Ireland's, we have a number of Irish MEPs involved in um I suppose, uh, Chinese committees in, at European level. Um, so we kind of have that kind of uh, influence, indirect influence, I suppose, there. But in terms of Ireland's direct influence on what it can do with China, all we can, when it comes to sanctions and things like that, it's very much at an EU level. So and we're very much following the EU line on those kind of things. But when the Security Council, we're planning to look into that angle further. So it'll be interesting to, uh, it's in the works at the moment. Um, we know that uh, there's not an awful lot you can do in terms of, um, you, you kind of have to have consensus really at the UN Council level. So it, it'll be interesting to find out what exactly Ireland can do, if if anything. Um, obviously, we can issue statements and outrage and stuff like that, but I suppose turning that into action is, is a whole other story. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Information Podcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by Adrian Carty with research by Carl Kinsler and additional journalism from the Good Information Project team. Go to thejournal.ie to find out more about the entire Good Information Project and email us at goodinformation@thejournal.ie with your feedback and questions. If you want to hear more episodes in this series, find us at the Good Information Podcast on the Journal app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Good Information Project is co-funded by Journal Media and a grant programme from the European Parliament.